good about what I'm going to talk about this morning. The top person, when, when I get my mind set on something, i got to study it. Well, I'm not able to really study two or three different things at one time, so I decided to uh, turn my studying this week into the lesson this morning. If someone wants to ask you, is a li a living your life according to God's word the easiest thing you ever had to done? What would your answer be? Well, I found out if we said yes, yeah, the easiest thing I ever done. Apparently, I hadn't read all of God's word, or I got the wrong opinion of it. Something kind of hard for me to get in my life is this. You over in Matthew, Matthew five. The text this morning, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 42. And I invite everyone of you to come on Wednesday night to come get a, a little more in-depth study on this. But chapter 5, uh, verse 38 through 42, it said, Ye have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him hide thy cloak also. Whatsoever shall compel thee, and excuse me, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. <clears throat> Give to him that asks thee, from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. This is, Brother Clay has been doing a wonderful job teaching us about the book of Matthew during our, our midweek Bible study. But last week he taught us on something that's probably the hardest teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for me to get a firm grasp on in my life. The something that I'm not really proud of. Now if you'd asked me 30 years ago, I'd think, yeah, this, this is me, man, that's the way it is. I've been proud of my maturing, not only in our physical maturing, but also in my spiritual. I found out that what I was proud of back then is not really what I should be proud of nowadays. And I'm sure from talking with some of you, that's Brother Oliver, that I wasn't the only one to have this, this thing in our lives, this trait in our lives. But I grew up in downtown northeast Hortense, Georgia. <laughs> it's just about 20 miles south of here on Highway 301. Uh, we, we used the, uh, the crossing of 301 from east and west Hortense. And then we had to use Highway 32 from our north and our south. Now you might have thought that the United States had a, a bad civil war. Hortense has had some pretty pretty bad wars too with the north and the south and all that. I grew up, like I said, on the northeast side of it. Hortense didn't have very many residents back then. Went through there the other day and they still don't have very many. But it was a small, a small farming town. People didn't have very much worldly possessions either. <clears throat> but there was one thing that we had and we were proud of. And that was the love and the support of each other. In other words, if one family only had a few cans of beans, 
Another family had a bag of grits. Well, the men folks would get together and go fishing or hunting while the women cook, and we'd have a pretty good beaming grits and whatever the men brought home meal. But we'd all bond together. If one had a problem, we were there for each other. We also knew that if we found ourselves in trouble, just a phone call, or back then it was more of a breaker, breaker, good buddy, flies caught in a spider web, called on our CB radio. That's some of you young folks. That was a little thing we had in our cars, we had on our little four-wheelers. A lot of them even had them battery operated, we carried around, but everybody had them, we even had them in the house. That was our cell phones of the times. But every uh, one of these calls on it, everyone would show up in their fighting clothes. We'd get the facts and discuss what the problem was after the fight was over. Now, as I said, I'm not proud of it, and I've had a long talk with God about it. Had a longer talk with God, and thought about it some, and had an even longer talk with Him. And I'm still working on this. I still need the prayers of this. But back when I was a young man, it didn't matter how big or bad someone was. If they messed with me, with family, or friends, well, that's probably where the phrase is on like Donkey Kong comes from. Because when it came to our family and friends, we were down with a man, like a man with four flat tires. We were down together. I have a joking phrase I say about Jensen. I tell him that, to tell people if someone messed with him and hurt him, they weren't going to like his grandpa. I say it in a joking way, but I can't honestly stand here this morning and tell you that if someone harmed Jensen, any other child or any adult that's here this morning, that that would be a joke. Because I think of every one of you as my family, and I feel the need to love and protect each and every one of you. Now, Brother Clayton, in teaching, as I said, it inspired me to study this, these verses more in depth. And that's what my studying for of these verses is the lesson from this morning. <clears throat> and I encourage you to come Wednesday night because if I teach something that was maybe needs to be interpreted a little more, I'm sure we're going to hear Wednesday night. I hope Brother Clay brings it out and lets us some more study on it. But when someone treats you wrong, how do you respond? Do you react in kind? In other words, do you uh, treat evil with evil? Somebody slaps you, do you slap them back before they get another chance to slap you again? Yeah. Or do you say thank you? Turn the other cheek? Do you just stand there and take whatever abuse is going to be given out to you? What is the proper way to respond to evil? In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked concerning the righteousness of the kingdom. He did so by contrasting it with the so-called righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, noting how the law had been interpreted and applied, declaring what he expected of his disciples. We have seen Jesus' contrast of his righteousness in such matters as murder and anger, Matthew 5, 21 and 26, adultery, Matthew 5, 27 and 30, divorce, Matthew 5, 31 and 32, and also a swearing oath, 
Matthew 5, 33 and 30, uh, 37. Now in this lesson, as I said, we're going to look at what Jesus taught concerning personal vengeance. Matthew 5, as in my text this morning, Matthew 5, 38 and 42. As we discuss, I like to call it responding to evil. How do we respond to evil? The law of Moses and traditional interpretation concerning an eye for an eye and a two for a two. That's pretty much the way I brought it up. I was, you know, I was told and I'm sure all of us has heard that don't never start a fight, but don't ever back down from a fight. That's just human nature, I guess, at the times. But it's found in Exodus 21, 24, and 25, the eye for an eye, two for two. A parallel passage is also in Deuteronomy 19 and 21. Now these statements were, best of my knowledge, and here were laws for civil force to apply. Now notice carefully, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 19. Go ahead, turn over with me, Deuteronomy 19, verses uh, 15 through 21. Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 21. <clears throat> when it tells us, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin, in any sin that he sinned. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against them that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. And the judge shall make diligent inquisitions. And behold, if the witness be a false witness, also a testify falsely against his brother, then shall he, then shall you do unto him as he hath thought to have done unto his brother. And shalt thou put the evil away from among you. And those which remain shall hear and fear, and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. And that I shall not uh, pity, but life shall go from life, life shall go for life, eye for eye, two for two, hand for hand, foot for foot. We see also in Exodus uh, 21 and 22, it goes along. Uh, Exodus 21, verse 23 through 24. But anyway, they were, they were given to guide the priest and handing out the proper punishment for whatever the crime was. But notice what the, the scribes and the Pharisees had done. They interpreted these statements so as to justify personal retribution. They applied them by frequently taking matters of revenge into their own hands just as many people do today. There's a lot of Western, I, I like Western, that's what I was telling them, I had to make several phone calls, get people to come out, my, my TV cable went out, I had to get them out there right away. But we got them out there, and they got it where I told them, said, the only thing we, we really like on our TV is we watch Westerns, cartoons, cooking channels, and more Westerns. But there's a lot of Western where a group of people get together and burst into a jail and take this accused person out and they hang them. Now usually just as the rope tightens around their neck and the life leaves their body, it's revealed that they hung an innocent person. 
giving out the wrong judgment. Leviticus 19 and 18. Proverbs 24 and 29 deals with this. But in both Old Testament and New Testament, the matter of personal vengeance was to be left up to the hand of God and his duly appointed agent of the civil government. We see it in Romans 12 and 19. Romans 13 verses 1 through 4. There really is no difference between the law and what we find in the New Testament in this regard. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. And that's one of the hard things for me. Because when someone makes me mad or does me wrong, the first thing that will pop my head is, hey man, you got, you got to handle this matter. This vengeance is yours, but it's not. As I said before, you know, it's one of those what, load the dogs in, in the truck and grab your gun situation. We're going to go handle this problem. We don't do that. God's word tells us pray for that person. Personal vengeance has no place in the lives of those who are the children of God. And I said that's one of the hardest things for me to understand. But I, I brought, I made the comment and last Wednesday and then Brother Clay pointed it out and worked it. And between the two of us we worked it out and I was happy with it. Called me to go home and study some more. But, but anyway, what I want to examine more closely is the proper response to evil. Jesus pro proclaimed two principles. Do not resist an evil person in verse 39. And this is Matthew chapter 5. And not only should you not take vengeance into your own hands, but don't even oppose or resist an evil person when evil is being done. Now respond to evil is by, we respond to evil by doing good according to verses uh, 39 and four, through 42. Now, Jesus illustrates this with ser several examples. Responding to physical abuse, the uh, latter part of verse 39, just turn the other cheek. This, this may refer to offering the other cheek as an expression of love. Now I always took this turn the other cheek as if he turned my cheek, his cheek is the other cheek to turn. But that's not what God is telling us here in his words. He tells us here, responding to an evil suit by giving more than what the person is suing for in verse 40. Responding to government oppression by offering to do more than what is being demanded of you in verse 41. Responding to those asking for help by giving them what they ask in verse 42. Now in each case, the principle is the same. We are not to resist the person who would mistreat us or who would try to deprive of our possessions. Instead, respond in a positive manner by demonstrating love towards them or by freely giving them more than what they were hoping to gain by force, oppression, or manipulation. The question that it comes up is, is this to be taken literally? And the question, the other question is, why not? We have several Old Testament examples. Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 15, tells us how Joseph, about Joseph and forgiving his brother. Joseph had the power in his hands. He could have had his brother thrown in prison or even killed, but he didn't. Out of his love, he forgave him. That's what we're supposed to do. 1 Samuel 24, 8 through 15, David is sparing the life of Saul. When Saul was, was chasing him and threw all of his wilderness and all. There were several times that David could overcome Saul, could have easily have taken his life. We see in Elijah, the feeding of the army, of the, or, or 
obedience in 2 Kings 6, 8 through 23. But you know, we also have several New Testament examples of what Christ has said. First of all, Jesus, our prime example, 1 Peter 2, 20 through 23. We have Stephen when he was being stoned in Acts chapter 7, verse 59 through 60. The Hebrew children, or the Hebrew Christians, who joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods in Hebrews 10, 32 through 34. We have the clear teaching of Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. What they're all telling us, and for time's sake, I didn't go in and read each one of them, I'd encourage you. You should go home and to read them and study them because there is a lot of good studying in these words. They point out a lot of things that, that help me come to grasp with this teaching of our Lord. We are not to avenge ourselves. We must seek to overcome evil with good. Or we should take these teachings literally. If not, then how do we apply these words of Jesus? I find striking the attitude of Christians in the second century. A.D. Do good and give literally to all who are in need for the wages God gives us. Tell us do not hesitate about whom you should, should not give. Give to all. For God wishes gifts to be made to all out of his bounties. Now I'm saying, now I'm not telling you that if someone comes up and you know they have a drug problem, I'm not telling you, yeah, give them all the money in your pocket. But if they're asking for food, go and buy them some food. We all have to do God what God tells us to, but God gave us a mind that we can think and our intelligence that we can do it according to his word. And, and he said to love not only our neighbors, Brother Arthur, we're told to love our enemies. Now sometimes that's pretty hard to do. Isn't it? And to be givers and sharers not only with good, but also to be literally givers towards those who take away our possessions. I had a little problem with that, and then I got to reading and studying on some more. When I first looked at it, I said, well, if I'm awakened in the middle of the night with somebody going out through my shed, my barn, and getting my stuff, I, am I supposed to go out and say, hey, wait a minute, you forgot the good stuff I had hid over here. Hold on a minute, let me get it for you. That's not what he's telling us. I'll get into that in just a little bit. But these statements were written at a time when Christians were constantly being mistreated, abused, and manipulated by others. Now, the teaching of Jesus in this passage are bitterly challenging. They're hard. Or at least they're hard for me to, to comprehend and to live by. But it's what he told us to live by. So we got to do our best to live by. As opposed to what we might call, as Brother Clay put out, our human nature. But we are called upon to be partakers of the divine nature. 2 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 4. In other words, to be more like God than like men. As we will see in in our next lesson, once we get into it on Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches a standard of righteousness that far exceeds that of the tribes and the Pharisees and most people today. At the very least, let us expend 
as much energy in seeing how we can apply these passages to our lives as many do trying to explain how it doesn't really matter what it appears to say. Now in conclusion, summarizing all this teaching of Christ and concerning response to the evil of. First off, we are not to resist evil. We are to respond by doing good in turn. Now we may, we may never face the exact situations that Jesus used to illustrate his point here. But the principles can be applied to so many things that we do face. For example, how people treat us at work, in our communities, in our own families, and in our church. Whenever mistreated, take the challenge and see how we might overcome evil with good. Then your righteousness will exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now I hope and I'm praying that I have studied this and come to the right conclusion. That's why I invite you to come with us tonight. But the entire section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which these verses are found, can be understood as one where Jesus actually serves to elevate the importance of following over moral law beyond the letter to the spirit, the spirit of the law. Much of the material therein complements the nature of his character, his coming, and is characterized by mercy, sacrificial love, and long-suffering towards sinners while at the same time affirming the last and first principle upon which the kingdom of God is based. For example, what I'm saying for instance, is we are told to go the extra mile for someone who abuses us, to pray for enemies instead of resisting them. All of this can be generally summarized by saying that we need to be pure inside and out. Should be as accommodating as possible for the sake of the lost world. Son, to turn the other cheek does not imply nothing but, nor does it mean that we place our, our others ourselves or others in moral danger. Like the principle of an eye for an hour, two for two from verse 38. Turning the other cheek, I, I believe, refers to personal retaliation. Not criminal offense or act of military aggressions. Clearly, Jesus did not mean to forget about and negate all God's laws and injunctions concerning protecting ourselves and our families against violent crimes or invading armies. Rather, I feel that Jesus is speaking here of the principle of non-retaliation to affronts against our own dignity as well as lawsuits to gain one's personal assets, verse 40. Infringements of one's liberty, verse 41. Violations of property rights, in verse 42. He was calling for a full surrender of all personal rights. Turning the other cheek means not to return insult for insult and retaliation, which is what most people expect, and how worldly people react. Now, responding to hatred with love just might grab someone's attention and afford us or give us a chance to share God's word with them. When we respond in a matter that is unnatural, it displays the supernatural power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus was the perfect example because when he was silent before his accusers and he did not call down revenge from heaven on those who crucified him. I hope our lesson, my lesson this morning has encouraged you to think a little more in depth on this, to study a little more and be with us.
Wednesday night at 6.30. Now after listening to some of this and some of our own study and some of the teaching from some of the other brethren here, if you find for some reason you stepped out of God's way and you need to pray with an encouragement of the congregation to come back into it, or maybe you need to be baptized and become a child of God. And Brother Reggie does a wonderful job teaching a class on, on Sunday mornings and all. You know, we talked about sometimes uh, rebaptism is necessary. Maybe you realize through it that you wasn't baptized for the same, same reason. Now, being baptized two or three times don't mean you were a real bad person. It means that you realize it would, don't feel like you done it right. But whatever your need may be, we ask you to come forward and we all stand the same. Our song of invitation.